0: What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I am Tracy B. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. And today we have a listener request. Hooray! Uh, we have many who was the real blah-de-blah. Yeah. Uh, so we have who was the real Moriarty, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and one of our oft-requested things, in this case by Michael and many other listeners, is who was the real Robin Hood? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a tricky question in point of fact. It kind of is. Uh- Robin Hood-style characters have been showing up in literature since the 14th century, but as a concept, he's kind of been around longer than that, at least 700 years. Um, but his earliest appearance in literature was in English ballads that were singing the tales of a Sherwood Forest criminal who squared off against the Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, Maid Marian and Friar Tuck came on later, but Sherwood Forest and the Sheriff and Little John and Will Scarlet are all there pretty early on. Uh, along with the idea of robbing rich people, but not necessarily giving that up to the poor. Uh, that <laughs> comes along later, too. Historians who actually lived during the medieval period uh, seem to have assumed that Robin Hood was actually a real person who lived in the 12th or 13th century. But their accounts aren't consistent at all. And modern historians aren't so sure about any of that. Um, there's just not evidence to support it necessarily. There's a lot of question marks. And some of the grander elements of the Robin Hood lore are also pretty tricky when you get into the logic of them. Uh, Seven-score merrymen may have been able to feed and clothe themselves just working with the spoils of their robbing, but surviving the winter and staying warm without shelter would have been a little bit trickier. Yeah, it's not a very warm part of the world No, without some kind of permanent structure to take <laughs> some kind of refuge from the climate in, which then would have been easily rated. So it brings us to the question of, is Robin Hood a fictional blend of outlaw, daring do, and some wish fulfillment? Because lots of people like to see other people get get their comeuppance. Oh, yeah. Uh, or was he a real person or a combination of both? It's a great question. That might not be 100% answered ever. Nope. But we're going to examine all of the various possibilities. Yeah. So in the Middle Ages, places like Sherwood Forest weren't just vast landscapes of tree cover, like we might think of the word forest today. They were kind of a hodgepodge of wooded areas and cultivated ground. So the nobility could use them to hunt and to grow food. Uh, And there were also laws about how everyone else was allowed to use the forest. But the places that were best for game hunting were also great for hiding. So places like Sherwood Forest were perfect for outlaws to call home. It was a great place to hide out. And it was extra great because it was illegal for them to even be doing that. Uh, so it was a perfect setting for these Robin Hood style adventure stories that have persisted throughout the ages. The earliest known written reference to Robin Hood is a passing reference in William Langland's allegorical poem, The Vision of Pierce Plowman, which was written in the late 1370s. He says, I don't know perfectly my Our Father as the priest sings it. I know rhymes of Robin Hood and Randolph Earl of Chester, but neither of Our Lord nor of Our Lady, the least that ever was written. So he's basically saying... I don't really know my prayers, but I do know Robin Hood. (laughs) Uh, And after that, there's a series of ballads and stories that came along throughout the 14th and 15th centuries. Uh, Great hits like Robin Hood and the Monk. The Little Gest of Robin Hood. (laughs) Robin Hood, His Death. Robin Hood and Guy of Gisborne. And Robin Hood and the Kirtle Friar. So there's not so much of a really noble rob from the rich, give to the poor focus in a lot of these older stories. There is definitely a lot of robbing, not necessarily a lot of giving uh, in some of the early stories. Robin's just really violent. And he's not a fallen noble in these stories, which is a an idea that was attributed to him later. He's a commoner a peasant, or uh, at the highest, a yeoman, which was kind of a middle-class situation. The king mentioned in these early works is Edward, probably meaning Edward II, while a lot of the more modern portrayals talk about a Prince John or a King John. And Little John and Will Scarlet are also early names that show up in the context of being Robin's merry men. But as we said before, there was no Maid Marian in these early ballads or Friar Tuck. Those really got added in later. Uh, in the context of literature, Robin Hood got upgraded to a nobleman in 1601 in Anthony Monday's plays The Downfall of Robert, Earl of Huntington and The Death of Robert, Robert, Earl of Huntington. Around 1770, Robin Hood's Garland, being a complete history of all the notable and merry exploits performed by him and his men on diverse occasions, to which is added a preface, giving a more full and particular account of his birth, etc., than any hitherto published came out. That's quite a title. I love those extremely long titles. (laughs) Uh, And this particular uh, piece of literature added more stories and more characters to the Robin Hood lore. So there was lots of Robin Hood meeting somebody in the woods fighting with that person, and then eventually inviting him to join him and the Merry Men in their exploits. By the 19th century, Robin Hood stories were everywhere. Howard Pyle's The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood of Great Renown in Nottinghamshire came out in 1883. This gathered lots of Robin Hood stuff into one place and also adapted it for children. And it became a source material for a lot of the later Robin Hood writing. This was an illustrated book. Uh, It was really expensive for its time compared to other books, and it was wildly successful. And following that, there were plays, operas, comic books, films, 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 and more films. So many Robin Hood movies. Uh, (laughs) Costumes, merchandise. (laughs) Robin Hood was like a marketing juggernaut. Yeah, he's become kind of just an iconic figure, especially in in the world of, of English stories. Yeah. So, is there any truth to all of this? Um, the, the earliest, one of the earliest historical notations of Robin Hood was from John Major, a Scottish historian, who wrote his great his history of Greater Britain in 1521. He claims Robin Hood did his criminal living in Sherwood Forest uh, in 1193 and 1194. Should I read what he says about it? Yes. Give us a little passage. He says, About this time it was, as I conceive, that there flourished those famous robbers, Robert Hood, an Englishman, and Little John, who lay wait in the woods, but spoiled of their goods those only that were wealthy. They took the life of no man unless either he attacked them or offered resistance in defense of his property. Robert, supported by his plundering 100 bowmen, ready fighters every one, with whom 400 of the strongest would not dare to engage in combat. The feats of this Robert are told in sons all over Britain. He would allow no woman to suffer injustice, nor would he spoil the poor, but rather enrich them from the plunder taken from abbots. The robberies of this man I condemn, but of all robbers, he was the humanist and the chief. So he's pretty much Solidly in favor of Robin, Robin Hood not cool for stealing, but definitely cool for all that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and other historians of the time, including Andrew of Wintoon and Walter Bauer, uh, concurred that Robin Hood was active, uh, during the middle and late 1200s. So, they all sort of have this consensus about him being a real person, although their dates are different. Yeah. Um, much of today's historical writing, is is not quite so sure that he was a real person. And most of that research has involved sifting through old court records, which is what we will talk about next. But the court records, even though they're legal documents, don't entirely support the literary and historical writings. Um, so I'm sure some people are not so enthused about them. <laughs> No, because some people want to believe they want to find the true Robin Hood in the mix. Yeah. So the name Robert Hod appears in court documents in 1225. And this is the earliest known record of a criminal's name that may have morphed its way into Robin Hood. There is another man that appears in the court records from 1261 and 1262. And in the 1261 document, he's named William, son of Robert Lefevre, And in 1262, he's William Robahod, suggesting that the court transcriber knew of the Robin Hood legend and possibly ascribed his name to an outlaw. From there there are other Robehods and Robin Hoods in legal records including people who deliberately took Robehod or Robin Hood as their last names in the 13th and 14th centuries and people who adopted Little John as pseudonyms. And so it's basically people who heard this famous name and decided that should be their name too because they were outlaws. Yeah. Uh, And all of these Robe Hods and Robin Hoods muddy the waters when you're actually trying to look for a real source of the stories. It certainly makes it seem like Robin Hood was enough of a legend by the 13th century that people wanted to adopt his name as theirs. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. privileges and start earning points toward your next day. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com where travels come true.
1: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin tomboy x just dropped their pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all-day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6x visit tomboyx.com
2: if your business needs a new application then developers will have to write code a lot of code if an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash IBM. Let's create.
0: There are also a couple of other examples of Robin Hood. Uh, who were definitely criminals, but there's some reason that historians say he was not the right guy. He either lived too far away, or he was just a straight up murderer, and, and, you know, didn't do the kind of thieving that, that Robin Hood was known for. And apart from that, in 1852, Joseph Hunter published a book citing a Robin Hood who worked as a porter in the king's court in 1324. And he connected this to a journey the king is described as taking in the ballad A Jest of Robin Hood. Hunter speculates that this is the same person as a Robin Hood who was outlawed in 1322, but there's no proof that these are actually the same person. And without the connection, it doesn't really seem to add up or hold up. Then we get into the suspects whose names do not sound like the words Robin and Hood. Uh, Roger Godbird was a 13th century farmer turned baron turned criminal who ambushed rich travelers with his band of men. The sheriff of Nottingham captured him and held him in Nottingham Castle. And his criminal dealings went on from around 1267 to 1272. A couple of writers have uh, published books claiming that Roger Goldberg was the real Robin Hood, including David Baldwin and Brian Benson. Uh, Baldwin also claims that he discovered a 13th century grave belonging to Godbird. Baldwin's book is Robin Hood, the English Outlaw Unmasked, and Benson's book is titled Robin Hood, the Real Story. But Robehod and other pseudonyms, meaning Robin Hood, were already in use before Goldberg appeared in the historical record. So writing for History Today, Sean McGlynn actually cites William of Kensham, a.k.a. Willikin of the Weald. And he was loyal to the crown and led a resistance band of about 1,000 archers against French invaders in 1216. Uh, his resistance was quite successful, and as a reward, he was granted wardenship of the 700s of the Weald, a division of land, uh, with Weald being a heavily wooded place. McGlynn argues that he has the right blend of hero and outlaw qualities, because the English would have viewed him as a hero, while the French would have viewed him as an outlaw. And there are also some other real outlaws who aren't that often cited as a real Robin Hood, but who's... Activities may have influenced some of the stories of Robin, of Robin Hood shenanigans that came along later. Um, really, You don't really have to look far during that period of history to find people who were fighting in the woods using bows and arrows. Yeah. Right. That, that was a pretty common thing. So one is Falk Fitzwarren, who spent some time living in the forest and fighting against King John. Another is Harroward the Wake, an outlaw who fought the Normans not long after the Battle of Hastings. And a third is Eustace the Monk, who I think I might want to do an episode on (laughs) later on, because Eustace the Monk just sounds like a delightful thing to talk about. He's not really delightful, though. He became a mercenary after leaving the monastic life to avenge his murdered father. Even William Wallace fits this very general description of guy who was an outlaw and fought from the woods. Yeah, and Robin Hood changes and evolves with the times. So in his earliest incarnations, he was tied to the violence that was common in the Middle Ages. But then in a trend that is probably quite familiar to modern audiences, public sentiment was beginning to see royalty and wealthy people in general. As a bunch of tyrants who were abusing the law and making life harder for the commoner. Uh, so that, you know, mindset was ripe for criminals who would try to take these people down a notch and stories that would celebrate that kind of activity. And nowadays, Robin Hood is a challenger of authority and he writes wrongs. And the people who do these kinds of things are celebrated as Robin Hood figures. So, yeah, and we don't sometimes they're animated as cute little foxes. I know. I was going to ask you if you had a favorite Robin Hood and I thought that that might be the one that you would say it's high on the list don't get me wrong yeah but I don't I have a um a detested Robin Hood Oh no who is it it's the Kevin Costner version Oh yeah it's one of the movies I just I had to leave I yeah. couldn't make it through the whole thing Yeah I think there are people uh this is not about that comment there are people who get really angry about portrayals of Robin Hood, that they're like, that's not how it was, when how it was... We don't know. We, yeah, well, the, the earliest depictions, a lot of the things that we just sort of assume have always been the case about Robin Hood weren't really so much there. Like, the giving to the poor part, yeah, not always present. A lot of times it was just robbing. I just thought it was a poorly made movie. That It, it could have been about anything. Can be valid. <laughs> but I do really like the Disney version, even though, of course, it's completely um, manipulated to be really cutesy, and yeah. history kind of gets tossed out the window a bit, mostly because foxes don't wear clothes. No. <laughs> they typically do not do that. Um, I like Robin Hood. I do, too. It's such a fun story, and I like that it is something that evolves and kind of becomes what any any part of history and culture needs it to be. Yeah, and I would kind of rather we never know if there was a definite number one real person who was, quote, the real Robin Hood. I like him to be kind of mythic and legendary. Well, unless somebody discovers a magical historical artifact, you get your wish.
2: Okay, okay.
0: <laughs> let's not ever do that. <laughs> Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Privileges and start earning points toward your next day. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true.
1: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin tomboy x just dropped their pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6x visit tomboyx.com
2: if your business needs a new application then developers will have to write code a lot of code if an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code IBM.
0: Let's create. Hey, do you also have some listener mail for us? I do. Uh, this is from Kira. And it is about our recent episode on cannibalism at Jamestown. And I was delighted to read it because it has awesome information in it. Yeah. So Kira says, I'm writing to you in regards to the cannibalism at Jamestown podcast, knowing a little bit about the topic myself. I just graduated with my bachelor's in history this past month. And my senior thesis was on the trade interactions between the Jamestown colonists and the Palatans. It was a long, laborious, and difficult topic since there isn't a whole lot of primary sources to go off of, as you well know by now. That being said, my topic originally included elements of cannibalism at Jamestown, although I was asked to remove that portion because there wasn't enough evidence to fully support my use of it. It took me a couple of weeks to listen to this podcast because, frankly, I was a little tired of the topic and needed a break, but mostly because I was a teensy bit frustrated that after I had researched the topic of cannibalism so extensively, then was asked to remove it, Then more evidence surfaced in the news two days after I turned in my final draft. That's just cruel. I know. And one of the first things that I said in my response was, I really empathize (laughs) with you, Kira, because that happens to us at work on a pretty regular basis. So there were two little points in the podcast that I wanted to correct you on. However... The first was the use of the term Algonquin toward the beginning of the podcast. It was used as though the Algonquins were a specific tribe, when in fact it is an umbrella term for all of the Native Americans in the area. It would be similar to referring to Eskimos as the name of a tribe when they're actually a broader group of people than that. You were correct in your usage of Powhatans as being an encompassing term for all of the tribes that Chief Powhatan, which was his nickname, incidentally. His real name was Wahun Sinakawa. I hope I said that correctly. So he was, uh, Powhatan was a term for all the tribes that he reigned over. Thank you for sending that, because one of my biggest frustrations in working on this podcast was how loose and inaccurate all of the writing, not all, but much of the writing from sources who ought to have known better uh was about the various Native Americans who were in the area. Well and it's inconsistent, so you can't like compare yeah. two sources to validate each other right. without getting into a really deep conundrum pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh and and <laughs> Kira said that it also took her some time to figure that out when she was working on her thesis. Um so yeah, a lot of the writing about the Native Americans in the area at the time, uh some of it just straight up says the Indians, as though that is Accurate. Uh, and I, a lot of it. I bet those writers were having the same problem. Uh, probably so. Like, How can I word this where it's technically correct but maybe not accurate? Right. And and then there's a lot of things that are used interchangeably that are not actually interchangeable. So thank you for providing that clarification, Kira. So now on to the second part. The second and more important point was when you mentioned that during that awful winter of 1608 and 09, the colonists had run out of copper and blue beads, and stated this as being the reason why they could not secure adequate trade deals with the Powhatans. This actually could not be any farther from being correct. The emphasis of my thesis dealt with the starving time in particular, and this was one of the more difficult portions to fine-tune, so I understand where someone could go wrong with the presented information. What actually happened was that the English, as well as the French and Dutch colonists throughout North America, had oversaturated the Native American market with copper and blue beads. The market was so overly saturated that the items no longer held monetary value that the English had planned on. So they still retained their spiritual significance, but because they were so easy to come by, the Powhatans were quite the competent businessmen, and the the English were in desperate straits. The English actually had a large supply of beads and copper on hand, but their value had decreased so much that they were trading large bags full of blue beads for a few bushels of corn, when in the past they had been able to get the same amount of corn for only a handful of beads. This problem actually led to John Smith threatening to to shoot Chief Powhatan's brother, Opie Konkanu. It is speculated that Opie ever never forgave him for this and held a perpetual grudge against the colonists until the massacre of 1622. Or at least that is what I concluded in my thesis. Um, She talked about authors Karen Kupperman, Helen Roundtree, and Carl Breidenbaugh do a fantastic job of illustrating these issues in their various books about Jamestown. Thank you so much for providing this also. Yeah, Um, it's so cool to have a, a Jamestown scholar. Yeah, and that was straight up my error. Uh, the sources that I had used kind of glossed over the why part of why they had gone from trading copper and beads and instead were trading extremely valuable items that they could not really bear to part with, mm-hmm. like swords that are needed for survival. Um, and that was sort of my incorrectly filling in that blank because it had been sort of not really acknowledged in my sources. So thank you so much, Kira, for writing to us. This is awesome information um, I love owning mistakes when we make genu- genuine mistakes, because that that makes us have better knowledge. Yeah. If you would like to write to us about this or any other topic, you can at historypodcast.discovery.com. We're also on Twitter at Missed in history and on Facebook at facebook.com slash historyclassstuff. You can find our Tumblr at com and we are on Pinterest, too. If you would like to learn more about Robin Hood, you can come to our website and you can search for the word Robin Hood and you will find who was the real Robin Hood. You can do this and a whole lot more at our site, which is HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. audible.com is the leading provider of downloadable digital audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. Audible has more than 100,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded to your iPod or mp3 player. Go to audiblepodcast.com/history to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today.
1: Happy Pride from tomboy X celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded Queer Run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women
0: all year long. Check out Olay's new indulgent moisture body wash online or at your favorite retailer. You
1: wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, Be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.